This is Church on the Rock, where Jesus is our message and people are our heart. Tune in to hear a teaching that we pray inspires and encourages your life with Christ. We're going to be continuing with a series I started last week. It's called Simply Follow, and it's re-imaging life in the way Jesus sees it. Re-imaging life in the way of Jesus. You know, I believe there's certain things that every believer of Christ needs to know. And, uh, and I think that a, a majority of people, there would be an unclarity or there would be a lack of clarity or a lack of understanding in some basic things that if you know these things, they'll catapult you to the next level in Christ. A lot of the different things we go through, like inner healing and deliverance and, and, and getting over Uh, depression or habit or this, that, and the other, really it's all the same answer to everything. And his name is Jesus, amen? And, and, not, and some of you say, well, well, what's his name, Jesus? What's that really going to do for me? We're going we're gonna to start breaking it out and, uh, and breaking this out in the next few weeks. And we're going to talk about some things that I really think will change our lives. It'll, we need to re-image Jesus, amen? We need to re-image what it looks like for a normal, everybody say normal, a normal, normal follower of Christ life should be like. I believe these talks will show some very different things from life of an average follower. Okay, let's look at this, Galatians 2.20. The Apostle Paul gives us a great definition of the Christian life. Everybody get there, say amen. 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 Here's, what the, here's a great definition of a follower of Christ or a follower of the way. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live but Christ lives in me. Let's say that again. I, everybody say I, I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Amen. Forget the screen. Let's say it again. I have been crucified with Christ. Say it. And I am no longer living. But Christ lives in me. But Christ lives in me. Say in me. me. Amen. The life that I now live live in this body. body. I live by faith faith in the Son of God God who loved me me and gave himself for me. Amen. I want us to memorize that before next week. That's Galatians 2.20. Let's memorize it in NIV. Are you all with me? Write that down in your, in your insert on something I can practice this week. Let's memorize Galatians 2.20 in the NIV. So he said it's no longer I, but Christ. That maybe may not be the, the answer that we would say to summarize what lives are about. But Paul said, I no longer live, but Christ lives and his life is in me. In all the dealings that God has with us, there's something that he always does. He takes us out of the way. Amen. Christ takes us out of the way and he substitutes Christ in our place. So a lot of things in the Christian life and what you just what you just said what you just read, Christ does something. He takes us out of the equation 
and puts Christ in as a substitute. Almost everything we see in Scripture, Christ becomes our substitute. So we have two important substitutions that I want you to think about today. One of them is the substitution on the cross. How many is glad that he subbed for you that day? That he made that substitution. He took, Jesus died instead of us for our sins, offering us forgiveness. And then here's another substitute. There's also a substitute within us. Because it says it's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives where? You all know that. Do you not know, Paul said in three different places, know ye not that you are the temple of the living God. Somebody say temple. Everybody thinks when you're at church or when you're around people of God or the pastor that there's a holier uh, place in God. But hey, listen here, Christ is with you. The scripture says Christ in us, the hope of glory. So, so the substitute is Christ is within us. And here's what he does in that is he secures that victory because he is in us. I believe that it simplifies being a follower of Christ and it saves us a lot of confusion if we realize this fact and keep it right in front of us all the time. That God will answer all of our questions in one way and one only way by having a greater understanding and a revelation of the person of Christ. I, I, the longer I stay in the Christian walk, the key, the key mature person The key to a person that's been walking with the Lord, the key to walking and being a follower of Christ is more revelation of who Jesus is. You're like, what? Really? I already know who he is. We haven't even scratched the surface of who Jesus is. When we begin to see Jesus and know the person of Christ, there's a life that comes inside of us. But look at Ephesians chapter 1. I want this to be your prayer. Do you know if you say, hey, pastor, what is something that you pray almost every day? It would be this one right here. It would be this one right here. It's this, that God, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, this is Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17, that God... The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ would give us the spirit of wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. Wisdom. That he would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That he would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And some of you are even saying the knowledge of Christ. That the eyes of Brian's understanding would be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. And sometimes we, we use that. And we say that that we might know what God wants us to do in our calling. But what that's really saying is that we might have a revelation of the greatness of God, of the love of God. See, a lot of people, a lot of people know that God loves them, but do they believe that God loves him? And that's why in verse in first John chapter four it says that we have known and believed the love of God. You know, there's a lot of people that go up to their wives all the same and say, honey, do you love me? Honey, do you love me? Honey, do you love me? Or the man's always saying, honey, do you love me? Or the woman's saying, husband, do you love me? Do you love me? Because there's an uncertainty there. 
There's something that's not being done to where there's a, a, a fragileness and an awkwardness and an uncertainty of the, of the love of God. Many Christians walk. They know that God loves them. They know they die on the cross, but they don't believe it. It doesn't go 13 inches or 18 inches. It doesn't get from our head down in our hearts that we know the love of God. And when we know the love of God, there's no fear in love. Because fear, love casts out fear. When, when you know that someone loves you, you're not going to be wondering if they're going to be there. Like that song said that in my dark hour, he is holding on. In my dark hour, he is always there. That is a person that is secure and that is solid and that is steadfast that God loves me. God loves me. God doesn't love you on the merit of how you uh, conducted yourself or how you acted this week and, and, and what you did do or what you didn't do. And we're going to talk about access to God probably next week. But God loves us, and he loves us first, and he loved us foremost. But we need to get a revelation of the hope of his calling. We need to know what is the riches of the glory of the inheritance that we have as saints. What have we inherited? What is ours? What is the exceeding greatness of his power? You ever feel like you're powerless? Lord, give me revelation of the exceeding greatness of your power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. Christ is far above principality. He's far above power and might and dominion. Let me understand that. And every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come, he's put all things under his feet. And he gave him, Christ, to be head over all things to us, his church, which is his body. Brothers and sisters, do you realize that you make up the body of Christ? You make up the body of Christ. It says it right, at, right, right there. God, Lord, give us wisdom and understanding in that, and, 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 and we make up the, the head of Christ, but as also, um, and he had put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head of the church, which is his body, Christ is the head, we are his body, the fullness of him who fills all and all. He fills us. You know, everybody says, I wish Jesus Christ's ministry was alive today like it was 2,000 years ago. It should be, and it is alive. And it's through us, his body. We're his arms, we're his feet. All of us have different parts of that body. And just as Adam was a corpse laying on the, on the ground when he was formed as a body, then the breath of the Holy Spirit came into that body. And that body came alive and became a living, moving, living organism. Brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ's ministry is and needs to be and has to be alive today in this dark world that we're living in. We are his body. We are his body. We make up his hands and his feet. We are the ones that visit the hopeless. We are the ones that see people down. Even today, I, I walked up to an individual and I said, how's it going today? And, and tears began to come upon the person as their friend said, it's been a hard week. 
But at that time, we just can't walk away and say, oh, oh I'm, I'm going to pray for you. I've been praying for that individual in this house today all day. I was praying that that individual heard that song that said, when your life is dark and things look like it's not going too, too good, just know, honey, just know, man, that Jesus is holding on to you. Jesus is a friend that sticketh closer to the, than a brother. Know today that if God be for you, who can be against you? There's no accusation. There's no lie. There's nothing that can be said against people that know who they are in Christ and that God loves them. Give me wisdom. Oh, I want to know Jesus. I want to know Jesus. I want to see Jesus. I want to hear Jesus. I want to know his voice. I want to see his eyes. I want to hear his heart. I want to be his vessel. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know what it is to live in the power of the resurrection in this body that lusts for evil, that lusts for desires, that lusts for the things of this world. I want to know what it is to be filled with the power of the resurrection that I can walk with victory in the power that lives within me. Give me a revelation of the power that's in me. Give me a revelation. Give me a revelation. Give me a revelation. Just as Jesus, just as Jesus was cleansed by his death and he went and offered his blood in the heavenlies to God and the Lord accepted that and the Lord said, sit down at my right hand. The very same way when we see Jesus, we also see that we are cleansed by the blood and we can walk into the place where God's at and that we no longer have to work and strive and perform, but we're seated together with Christ in heavenly places. We're seated. We're seated. God, give me a revelation of Jesus. This world needs a revelation of Jesus. The church that God wants in these end times is going to have a revelation of Jesus. There was a prophetic word given to this church this past week that said that there's a white light that is touching heads and the light is coming on and they're getting a greater revelation of who Jesus is. That's what we need is we need a revelation of who Jesus is. You know, we we have dual problems in this world. We have sins and sin that only Jesus can correct. In Romans 1 through 8, I want you to, again, something homework you might say. Guys, listen, please read. How many of us will read Romans 1 through 8 this week? Read Romans 1 through 8 so you can be with me in the next few weeks. But Romans 1 through 8 gives us a clear navigational plan of the dual problem that only Jesus can correct. We have a dual problem that only Jesus can correct. There's a natural division in this Romans chapter 1 through 8 of this scripture where if you read it carefully, you'll see that it naturally divides in two categories. There's a clear distinction in the subject matter. I want you to read that and next week you'll be able to see what that clear distinction is. A careful reading will show that the subject matter of the two halves aren't the same. In the first section, which is Romans 1, 1 through 5, 11. 
The first half is Romans 1, 1 through 5, 11. And the second half is Romans 5, 12 through Romans 8, 39. But in the first section, we find the plural word, the plural word sins. Everybody say sins. You're going to see that Romans, every time he's talking, almost every time he's talking about sins. And in the second, the word sins, plural, hardly even comes up. Instead, it's a singular word, sin is used primarily. Why is this? It's because in the first section, it is a question of sins, plural, sins that we've committed, which there are many, many of them. They're numerous, they're tailed, they're detailed, they're specific, they're spelled out. I mean, look at Romans 1, and I mean, it spells them out. It, it, they're specific, they're detailed, they're, 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 they're spelled out for us in those sections. Whereas the second section It's the question of sin, singular, as a principle that's at work inside of me. So no matter how many my, no matter how numerous my sins, everybody say sins. No matter how numerous your sins are, think about this, it is always the sin principle, the the singular sin, that leads me to do that. So I need forgiveness for my sins. Everybody, we need forgiveness for our sins, which are many. Amen. We need forgiveness for our sins, but I also need something else. I need deliverance. Anybody out here today? Here's what's needed in many people today. Deliverance. Deliverance. There's not many churches you could go through that you hear from the pulpit a preacher saying, church, what we need is deliverance. We need deliverance. We think that that's just for the person in Mark 5 and 9 that ran around with demons and cut themselves and lived in tombs and ran out and beat people up. No, many of us who are sins, plural, are numerous. And we ask forgiveness and the blood of Jesus forgives us for our sins, which are many, which are numerous, which are plural. But at some point, you got to deal with the second part of Romans. At some place, at some point, we got to get to the second half of Romans, which deals with the sin principle. It deals with the sin nature. It, 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 it deals with that. And before we can, do, before we can move on, we, we, yes, I need forgiveness for my sins. But I also need deliverance from the power of sin that works in me. There's two discoveries. When God's light first shines into my heart, my cries, man, I need forgiveness. Sheesh. <laughs> when God shines his light in my life, I'm like, jeez. Woo. I need some forgiveness. Anybody identify with that? I need some forgiveness, buddy. I need some sin. I need some forgiveness. But once I receive forgiveness for my sins, I soon make another discovery. I'm telling you, this discovery is almost the discovery when I was born again, when I discovered that there is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When I made that discovery, I was like, whoo, what a discovery. I'm enjoying my born-again experience, but what a discovery. And you might say, I'm enjoying my being forgiven for my sins, but let me tell you about another discovery. When he, 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 the second one is once I receive my 
forgiveness of sins, I soon make another discovery. The sin principle that is in me. So I realize something. That I've committed so many sins before the Lord, but there's also something wrong within me. I discover that my nature is that of a sinner, but there's an inner inclination to sin, a power within that draws me to sin, that entices me to sin. When that power breaks out, I find myself committing sins. How many of you live in a vicious cycle? How many of you get on a roller coaster? And when you're climbing up that hill, oh my gosh, I've done this so many times. I don't know why I get on them things. I'm, you're, you're, you're going up that hill and it's going kick, 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 kick. And I think every dime it does a kick that it's getting ready to fall. And then it goes up, up. And I'm like, oh, geez. Higher, 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 that roller coaster. And then you're like, I wish I could get off this thing. And then also, whoom. Man, there are so many people in a vicious cycle. I mean, you do, it's like a cycle. You've been repeating this darn thing for 15 years. It's a, it's a cycle. If there's something that, that you always keep coming back to, it, it, it's almost like, um, it's almost like um, with, 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 with Moses, when they were uh, uh, going around that mountain, And the Lord finally said, you have been going around this mountain long enough. Go northward. There's so many people that you go around the same thing. Husbands never get it. Wives never get it. Children never get it. Attitudes and things in our life, everybody sees it and everybody knows it but you. And we never get it. People have tremendous callings on their life. That people can, can have a tremendous calling on their life, but be disqualified because they never deal with something that makes them unattractive. Y- you know, gifts open the door. Yeah. Character keeps you there. Yeah. My mama always says, Brian, don't you be getting cocky about preaching. Remember, God used a donkey. If God can use a donkey, he can use you. Guys, let's don't ever think, oh, I'm all that. I'm all that. We're not all that. We're not all anything. But when Christ is in us is when we become all of that. Amen? So anyway, uh, this vicious cycle, I appreciate the kindness of God. I appreciate forgiveness. I understand the waterfall of forgiveness, but I want something more. I like forgiveness, but I want deliverance from the power of sin that's within me. God has a dual remedy. Brothers and sisters, there are, we have to, there's two, there's a dual problem. I want you to write that down if it's not in your insert. There's a dual problem that we have to deal with. One is sins, and two is sin. With that dual problem, with that dual problem, There's a dual remedy. Everybody write this down. Here's the dual remedy. The dual remedy is this. The blood of Jesus and the cross of Christ. The blood and the cross do separate things. The blood of Jesus in the beginning of Romans 
versus the crucified life in that second portion of Romans, they deal with different things. The blood deals with the cleansing of the plural sins in our life. The cross deals with the death, burial, and resurrection that every believer has to do to be with Christ, to be raised up with his nature and with a new way of living. Some of you say, you said that last week. I know I did. We just said it again this week because last week was an accident. (laughs) And I felt the Lord say, that's a series I've been trying to give you. Sometimes I preach to myself and I get revelation while I'm preaching. I I, I want us to get this. There's a dual remedy. The first is forgiveness of the sin. The second is our deliverance from sin. Let's notice a few more distinctions with the natural division. The first part's talking about my sins, forgiveness of sin, okay? And And then the second part is bringing the discovery of the principle that comes from men. I think we got that down, okay? Now... Our sins, this is Brian's way of talking. Our sins are my sins. They nail me in three ways. When when we're dealing with sins or sin, they nail us. They like nail us in three ways. They they just nail us. You guys know what I mean when I say nail nail us? It's like it just punches you. It's like it just nails you. Everybody with me? Sin nails you three ways. This is powerful. Sin nails you in three ways. One, they nail us Godward. Our sins nail us in a Godward way. And then, and then our sins nail us in a manward way. So, so when our sins are numerous and we haven't dealt with sin, it nails us Godwardly. And then our sin nails us manwardly. And then there's one more place our sin nails us. Satanwardly. So you got Godward, manward, and Satanward. So when we get to the problem of sin and sins, and we realize that this is a problem, but there's also a dual remedy the blood and the cross, then we take those things, then we take those three things. The, the blood and the cross, and we say, how does the blood affect Godwardly? How does the blood affect manwardly? And how does Jesus' blood, what does it do for me Satanwardly? Are y'all with me? Then we're going to take the cross and we're going to do the same thing. How does the cross of Jesus deal with my sin, singular, Godwardly, and my sin manwardly, and my sin Satanwardly. And listen, this understanding that you can acquire in the next three or four weeks can set your life out of your vicious cycle, and it can set you on a road that you've never been. I believe that. How does it nail you Godward? Sin enters at disobedience, And that creates, first of all, a separation between God and man. So how my sin or my sins affects me Godwardly is it creates first the separation between God and I. God can no longer have fellowship with us. There's something now that's hindering. Scripture calls it this hindrance sin. So how it nails us Godwardly, God says they are under sin. 
Then they nail us in the manward way. When we sin as humans, here's what happens. It it constitutes that barrier with our fellowship with God. And then look at this. It gives rise to guilt and shame and condemnation from within, which is our conscience. So when you're dealing with sin or sins, there's an effect that it has godwardly. And then now there's an effect that it has manwardly. And we know that we're estranged from God, that there's been a falling out, a breakup, a splitter, division. So it is here with an awakened conscience that says, I have sinned. So we see in the Godward way, we say they've all, that they're all under sin. And then when the manward way says, I have sinned, now look at this. How does it nail you Satanward? Sin also provides Satan with, listen, sin also provides Satan with grounds of accusation. Now, when we get on to this, probably next week, next week or the next week, when we get on to this, you're going to see that Satan has legal grounds, if you don't know the scriptures, and, and if, 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 well, I don't want to preach that today. I'm just going to leave it like this today. That on this accusation, where sin also presides Satan with a ground of accusation before God. Notice that Satan can accuse you before God, but there's also an accusation that comes in our hearts. Okay? So the accuser of the brethren says, You have sinned. I've prayed all week that this church's eyes would be enlightened, that there would be a spirit of wisdom and revelation to where you would be studious, energetic, eager learners and listeners. Because the information that I'm going to give you the next few weeks can change your life mixed with revelation and understanding and faith put into it to what God's word says. So, so what we see with that godwardly, that's where God says they're under sin. And then manwardly, that's where like, oh man, I have sinned. And then thirdly, you've got the enemy saying, you, you're a sinner. And those, that's what sin does to us. But let's begin with the precious blood of Jesus. Because we talked about, we talked about this. We said that there, that there is a dual problem. The dual problem is what? What is the dual problem? Okay, everybody got that. The dual problem is sins, plural, and then sin. Does everybody got that? Okay, there's a dual remedy. What's the dual remedy? Okay, stop right there. The blood of Jesus. What is the blood of Jesus for? Cleansing. It cleanses you from sins. Okay? How many say I need that? Okay, that's the first section. When you read Romans, you will see that that deals specifically with that. Romans 1, 1 to I think 5, 19. It deals specific with that. Okay? What is the second remedy for our problem of sins? What, what was the second one? We got sins. What's the other one? Okay, the cross. Because the... the, the Sin principle that lives in us, the freedom doesn't come through forgiveness of sin. The freedom comes 
to being crucified with Christ. To where there's literally a crucifixion with Christ. And that's, that's very scriptural. To where this thing that is this vicious cycle that you live to, this vicious cycle that you live to, See, the Holy Spirit's moving in hearts right now. You know what it is. You know what it is. This vicious cycle that you cannot get victory over. It leads to sins most of the time to where you have to use the blood for forgiveness. But you got to get to the root of sin, the principle You were born in sin through Adam. When you're born to something, how we become crucified with Christ, the way that happens is that sin nature, that sin person, that sin principle that we were born into, every one of you have it, like it or not. There has to be a death that's where you're dead with Christ. You're, you're dying. So you can even label it. Sin natures. Guys, there are some sin natures and there are some sin habits and there are some sin actions that we're living out that you can be free from. God's resurrection power can free you. If, if you want it. But it's not through messing your hair up and feeling so sorry and feeling like the world's against you and you're a, a um, what's the word? When you think everybody's against you, you're the victim. Feeling like, you, oh, I'm the victim. Hey, you, you may be hurt by a lot of things, but the only, the, 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 they're, when, when you get over all that and you, and you get to a place where you can die with Christ and you can label it, you can label that sin nature, that, that sin nature that still lives its way out. Have you ever seen that, that, this, this, how people just live out this attitude or this way? Well, when they're ungodly attitudes and ways, there can be a death to it. Husbands, you don't need forgiveness. You need deliverance. You've been asking for forgiveness for too many years. Wives, we don't need forgiveness. I want to get past forgiveness. I want to get to deliverance. There are certain things, businessman, when stress gets to a certain level, I'm going to be transparent here for a second. That sound going haywire and all that stuff, in the past, that throws me clear out of sync where I came, think straight. And anger gets, anger come, comes up in me. Frustration comes up in me. Some of you have been at the other end of that to where I yell at you and I, and I give you dirty looks and I'm not nice to you. And then I go back and say, 
Bodine, I'm really sorry. Thank you for loving me. And then I go back to Randy and I say, Randy, Braden, Braden, you probably had to do it the most. <laughs> I go up to my son-in-law and say, I'm sorry. But there gets a time where pastor needs to get over letting a thing like sound blow him out of the water till he came concentrate and get his mind on the Lord. So that's something that I have to be crucified with Christ to and quit leaning on forgiveness all the time. How many believe God will forgive you every time? He does. But I want to climb up on that cross and quit asking Bodine and Randy and Braden and people that have to live with me. I want to crawl up on that cross and make it to a place where they don't have to keep forgiving me. I want to bury it. By golly, I did today too. I did today. It didn't bother me. It didn't bother me. You know, some people in business, when the stress gets up, they can't handle going out of town. They get in the motel, they watch pornography, or they go to bars and, and watch stripping and stuff like that. If you've got any kind of a vicious cycle, it can be broken. You don't have to live in that. You don't have to. You don't have to live in that. So I want to clear this up. I guess today is going to be groundwork, and I promise you we'll get into it next week. How many will come back next week? How many is even interested in this topic to begin with? Are you even interested in the topic? Um, but let, let me make sure we all get that we all got this. Let me say this. In Scripture, so, so, so here's what we're going to do the next couple weeks. I would say the blood's going to take two weeks. I want to I talk about, first of all, I want to address why blood that seems so sick and inhumane. Has anybody ever had that question? Because, you know, voodoos and people drinking blood and, and stuff like that, uh, you're like, why did God choose blood to begin with? I mean, hey, am I the only person that's ever thought that? Why, why blood? Uh, couldn't it be flowers? <laughs> Giving some flowers or something? Why blood? What, what's the significance of the blood, Godward, manward, and Satanward? What's the blood do? We're going to look at that for a couple weeks probably, and then we're going to look at what the cross does. Godward, manward, and Satanward. Father God, I pray by faith today. Lord Paul said that he travailed in prayer for his church that Christ would be formed in them. Lord, I have travailed in prayer this week for this church that Christ would be formed in them. Lord, I have, hit the, I have hit prayer. I have hit the altar. I have hit heaven saying, God, please give people a revelation of the blood of Jesus. Please give us a revelation of the cross. Let, let, let the spirit of wisdom and revelation come upon them. Lord, this, the way you showed it, showed it to Paul, would you show it to me that clear? The way you show it to me, will you show it to the church body that clear? 
Come on, long. Say, God, I want revelation. I want to see what pastor's seeing. I want to receive what pastor's receiving. I want to live. I want to live victorious. I want to know who I am in Christ. I want to know what my inheritance is. I want it all. I want it all. I want it all. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Well, that's kind of all I want to do today. But um, in scriptures, the blood of Jesus, we're going to start on it next week. It's been shown to operate and be very effective. The blood God word deals with our sin, restoring relationship with God. The blood man word, what we'll talk about is how it clears our evil conscience and removes guilt, fear, shame, condemnation, and gives us access. And then the blood Satan word is we're going to talk about how Satan's accusations against us have been settled and dropped by the blood. Amen. We hope this message connected with you. To get more information about Church on the Rock, check out our website at www.cotrag.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Have a blessed day. think so and lord we thank you for the cup the cup represents forgiveness of sins plural we know what that means don't we church yeah so lord if we need a cleansing today if we need forgiveness we thank you for the blood and it will forgive you of everything the accuser tell you it won't but it will the blood will forgive you for everything we thank you for the new covenant every person you can take of this communion today